You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. All right, everyone. Today, we've got Corey Kapocha, who's the co-founder and chief business development officer and president of Wampley. That's got the three things over there. A local commerce platform that provides apps, APIs, marketing, and financial tools for over 500,000 American businesses. You guys have raised over 50 million bucks in funding, correct? That's uh, correct. And yeah, I mean, welcome to the show. How's it going? And uh, yeah, let's hear about kind of who you are and what your story is, man. Yeah, it's great, Eric. And thanks for having me along here. So just, a, I guess, quick overview. Grew up in Southern California, ended up being entrepreneur in a lot of different ways, but kind of fell into the fintech industry in particular. Was part of the founding team of a company called Verify out of Los Angeles. And that was a, a company that was bootstrapped. Uh, so no outside capital, just kind of a very traditional you know business growth path. But with that business, we were focused on delivering a lot of different capabilities around helping businesses who are accepting credit card payments in a non-face-to-face environment manage the risks and kind of the payment process associated with that. So think of things like chargeback risk, decline risk. If you're you know, running a subscription, you're losing your revenue every time a card declines out, refund risk, and so on. And so built a, a really cool team, really cool technology there, did lots of very large partnerships with large banks and financial institutions uh, to kind of make the relationship even tighter between consumers with credit cards who have, you know, questions about the charges that show up on their credit cards and ultimately the businesses that are running those subscriptions, trying to make that easier for consumers and businesses to resolve them. That company actually was recently bought by Visa. So pretty awesome to see something that a group of us were building from the ground up, end up with, you know, one of the better known brands out there. And then uh, about 10 years ago, we started Wampley. And Wampley's has some similar, you know, similarities to what we're doing at Verify just with credit card and transaction data, but with a very different focus. Uh, instead of focusing on, you know, large kind of non-face-to-face businesses, Wampley's mission is all about helping small business thrive with a, a key focus on how do we help small business owners get access to their own data uh, in ways that they can easily make better decisions about how to run their businesses, how they can connect with their customers in more meaningful ways, how they can ultimately you know, automate a lot of the things that uh, they don't have time to necessarily pay attention to that bigger companies with more resources have you know, the ability to go and allocate time towards that. So we're a very diverse company. We've got people all over the globe you know, with two kind of concentrations in San Francisco, as well as uh, South Salt Lake area uh, out in Utah here. And yeah, happy to go into more detail, but at a high level, that, that's a little bit of my background on the entrepreneurial side. Cool. Well, let's talk about Verify real quick. I mean, how big did it get? Whatever details you can reveal around the company size and then uh, deals around the transaction. Um, it's just people are always curious. So, Yeah, you know, a lot of it's confidential, so I can't speak too much about that. Nothing related to the transaction details were disclosed specifically, but you could you know look at it from a few proxies. So a couple hundred employees all over the globe, um, you know, from you know, really one uh, uh, scaling up and a lot of marquee clients, um, you know, well-known brands running all of the different types of subscription models that many of us subscribe to uh, today. And, you know, always profitable, um, you know, very healthy kind of revenue growth. So very atypical type of business growth profile relative to the more traditional venture-backed company, you know, burning capital, you know, looking at runway and using additional investor funds to keep the, uh, the company running as they, you know, essentially lean over your skis and drive growth. 
Got it. And so you, so you guys did not raise for verify, right? Uh, so Wompley a little different. You guys decided to pursue that route. So I, I want to put a, put a pin in that one. But can you tell us a little more about Wompley? Maybe some you know case studies on just kind of so people can visualize how it works, and then let's talk about the business model. Definitely. So there's there's three core business segments or, or revenue segments within Wompley. Uh, the first is what we call our small business uh, division or small business segment, and this is a traditional SaaS business model. So uh, you are a small business owner, you'd like to use Wampley services, you could use our services for free, or you could decide to pay for you know, some of our premium capabilities, which are you know, on a typical good, better, best, you know, around about $100 a month or so uh, as, as far as an ASP is concerned. Uh, when you sign up for our software, what we're doing is we are going out and pulling in as much data related to your business as possible in advance of you even accessing our software. And we are giving you now visibility into your business performance across a lot of different dimensions. Uh, so we'll help you understand how is your business performing relative to peer groups within your geography. Uh, so say you're an auto shop, you know, more of a traditional brick and mortar type business. You can see what is my average ticket and you know, typical number of new customers coming in relative to other auto shops within you know, the 90210 zip code. We will help you manage your entire online presence. Uh, so everything from social media sites, the obvious ones, you know, Facebook and Twitter, to all of the reputational sites as well, things like Google and TripAdvisor, Foursquare, Yelp, and so on. And we go pretty far with that process and you know, automating uh, a lot of the aspects of that, just helping small business owners kind of make a simplified view of what's happening with their online presence uh, and then make it easier for them to manage the interactions with customers across those platforms. Going a little bit further, where I think it's really interesting is we have this massive data set that we refer to called our commerce graph. And this is a result of you know, nearly a decade of investment at this point, where we built out a view of over 10 million US-based businesses and the consumers that interact with those businesses. And that data on each individual business becomes very valuable because what we can do now is we can make that data work for these businesses before they even become a customer of Wompley. So if you think to you know, the earlier days of sites like Yelp or Facebook or you know, Google, you know, they started going out and building the directories, listing all of the businesses that they could find, even before those businesses advertised or quote unquote claimed those pages. Given that Wampley has all this insight into so many businesses across the US, we've also done something similar by creating what we refer to as our storefront pages. And our storefront pages are essentially like one page brochure, kind of informative, and then also e-commerce sites for businesses to be able to, or for consumers rather, to be able to discover local businesses and then also transact and interact with them. So we've created a number of these pages using all the information we have so that business owners and consumers can discover one another and transact there. Going a little bit further, we've also enabled businesses to be paid by consumers through these pages. So Part of this is you know, an acceleration of some roadmap items that we had planned in response to the COVID pandemic and acknowledging that businesses need new, innovative, safe, you know, contactless, kind of non-face-to-face ways to transact with their customers. So as a consumer, you can go on and find a storefront page for a business that you interact with. You can complete a transaction, uh, you know, pay them directly, and then Wampley will manage getting the funds to those businesses. So you can think about it as you know, very much like the early days of PayPal, pay anyone with an email address. And then the final kind of piece of our business software uh, for small businesses is all about that customer experience. 
And so we build out and help pre-populate a CRM with what we call our customer directory with a list of the customers that are interacting with a given business. And so you now as a business owner can go from having this anonymized experience if you're that auto shop or you know retailer, restaurateur, you know, with most of your customers coming in, whether they pay with cash or credit card, you don't know much about them. With Womply, you can get incredible insights into who are your customers. You can help stack rank them based on my top customers, my new customers, my lost customers, and then you can uh, market to them based on those different segments that you can put them into. And you can either do that through your own triggers or Womply can drive that through our automated process. Uh, so that's kind of the first business segment that we have. The second one is our financial services division, which is where some of the, the pay-related products that I was talking about earlier would fall into. Uh, so this is just helping consumers and businesses transact with one another. And we've got a number of other capabilities there around helping businesses pay their bills more efficiently. Currently, we're playing a really big role in helping small businesses get access to paycheck protection program funds. Uh, right. So that just, they just jump in yep. real quick, just so, so we're not going too deep in, in the weeds on, on all the features and stuff. So if, there, if I were to distill this, basically what we're talking, this is an all-in-one kind of for tool for small businesses. I shouldn't say tool. It's like a suite of tools, right? For small businesses. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fair summary. Okay, great. And so how's the business structured? How do you guys make money? So we make money on the SaaS model in the first small business segment that I was talking about. We make money on a per transaction fee in our financial services division, or if we're helping provide capital to small businesses, we can make money on uh, the origination fee there. And then also we have a, a third segment of our business, uh, which I didn't touch on yet, which is our enterprise or API division, which is where we are opening up a lot of that data that I was referring to earlier to other third-party developers who you know, can benefit from that data and supercharge their solutions with that data. And that monetization approach is on a per kind of API call basis. So think of it akin to a Plaid or a Twilio or any other you know, type of API-based revenue stream. Got it. I'm looking at a number here. So uh, Wampley merchants get accounted for more than 40 billion in annualized sales revenue. That's, that was in 2017. Is there like an updated version for maybe 2020? We haven't released that yet, actually, but yeah, that number has grown significantly. Got it. Okay, great. And so for Womply right now, actually, before even going into that, so coming back to what we put a pin in earlier, so Verify, you know, you guys didn't raise money there, but then for this company, why did you decide to raise money for this one? What was kind of the thesis behind it? Absolutely. So, you know, different business, different business model. So we've gone through a few different fundraising rounds now with different investors around Silicon Valley, as well as private equity, and then some strategic investment. And the approach uh, to raise capital here is because of the opportunity in the market size with, you know, 30 million small businesses and kind of the broadest definition closer to about 10 million as you tighten up that definition based on you know, businesses with employees. The market is huge, and so there's a, a massive opportunity to put investment dollars to work in both the acquisition of new customers, as well as towards R&D and developing out all of these different capabilities. And so I think relative to other venture-backed companies that have raised capital, uh, if you look at companies you know, like Square as an example, I think Womply has accomplished a pretty insane amount with a relatively small capital investment so far. If you look at the overall product suite and kind of, you know, in a comparison of an apples to apples basis. And so the, you know, the reason for that was to drive customer growth, drive R&D investment. 
Yeah, I, I just think it's really smart too because it's, well, your product's pretty sticky, right? The other thing is you have so many different ways of monetizing. So there's transaction fees and then there's enterprise and then there's kind of small businesses. So super smart to think about, you know, pricing structures, right? Because not, not enough people think about it. So were you involved with that process? How did you guys think about pricing in these different segments in the early days, just so people can get an idea of how they might want to think about it? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely been an evolution. So our most mature segment is the SaaS model with small businesses. Uh, when we first built that product, we gave it away for free. We just said, you know, we want to acquire customers. We're willing to give you all of the, these capabilities completely for free. Then we started charging as low as $20 a month and, and started slowly ramping that up as we had more capabilities and more confidence in the value that we're delivering to that customer base up to the you know ASP that's over 100 now. The other ones, you know, we've looked at... Um, you know, both customer feedback as well as just market data and have kind of gone through and, and looked at pricing models that make sense. And it's still an area that's never stagnant for the company. Like we're constantly revisiting our you know, product structure, our pricing models, and making sure that those are all optimized in the best ways to, uh, for the outcome for our customers and also for revenue growth for the company to continue to fuel our growth. Got it. That's awesome. And what's working really well for Wamplay today in terms of customer acquisition? So the, the biggest switch is when we first started out, we used channel distribution primarily. Uh, so we gave our product away for free. We had a lot of different channel partnerships. That was a, a very nice growth trajectory. There's trade-offs with that. You know, As you have more players involved in helping distribute your product, there's challenges in ensuring that the product is represented in the right, you know, right way, that the customer experience is maintained and so on. And so over the years, we've slowly brought that acquisition model completely in-house. We started out first with an, an outbound sales acquisition model. So calling into that graph of customers that I talked about before, our business graph as part of our commerce graph, and working you know, into those lists with just an inside sales team and calling and converting customers into paying customers. And then what we've done is evolve that over time into a purely inbound model where all of our customer acquisition now are customers that are coming to Wompley, either because of paid acquisition, where we're putting dollars to work for growth and driving leads through ads on various platforms, or something that we're very proud of is through organic SEO acquisition. And so we've done a lot as a company to invest heavily in thought leadership, content creation, we were mentioned, you know, six plus thousand times in different periodicals and by different reporters just last year alone. And so all of those things drive brand awareness, they drive inbound interests, and they help really serve up the, these opportunities for our sales team to then help support in getting access to the right type of product suite uh, solution for them. Got it. Yeah, that's interesting to me. So it sounds like you guys led with a product-led growth that partnership motion initially, and then you guys and then started putting more into kind of the more quote-unquote traditional channels that people are talking about today, SEO and paid, right? Are you guys still, I'm assuming you're still doing product-led growth and you're still doing partnerships, correct? Correct. Yeah. So we still have all three, you know, kind of growth areas, but there's been an increasing emphasis in the inbound growth levers, just given you have much more control over how many dollars do we put in at the top of the funnel and understanding what does that actually translate to from a conversion standpoint into dollars that, you know, of revenue that are produced. And you can look at, you know, ratios of acquisition costs and, you know, overall uh, contract value or LTV of those customers. That's fascinating. I mean, most of the time, what I hear from people, and by the way, like we drive all of our, most of our business through inbound. And, and so people are like, okay, inbound caps out, right? Like my, my podcast co-host, Neil Patel, as an example, he's got a ton of traffic, right? But, you know, we were just talking about it because we both own ad agencies in addition to other stuff. It's just like, well, inbound caps out. So then you have to build the outbound sales team. It seems like for you guys, it's like you're kind of 
you're moving in the, the reverse, right? So do you guys have that outbound sales team as well? So we, we have a, a in-house sales team, but we're not doing cold outbound calling anymore. It's all, there's enough inbound volume where we are just helping assist. We break it down between unassisted sales and assisted sales. So there's a certain subset of our volume, which can go through a completely self-serve touchless process where they sign up in an unassisted manner. And then there are other segments where we've decided that it makes sense to have a sales you know, rep involved on our team who can help you know, drive that conversion and support that customer. Got it. And Corey, how close are you to the, I guess, I love nerding out on tools, right? So what is in your sales stack if you know what's in your sales stack? Yeah, so I, I am fairly close to this. I mean, we, we actually tried for as long as possible to avoid going down the Salesforce, just, you know, quagmire. We eventually got pulled in, but we, we use a lot of different tools in the sales stack. Um, we've tried a lot of different plugins and third parties to work with Salesforce. You know, obviously Salesforce uh, you know, has built the company they have for a reason. Over the years, we found more and more of our solutions have been switched to kind of a Salesforce type of solution that plugs in, uh, that's in-house. We'll use everything from a power dialer where we're using heavily uh, you know, data-driven models to predict you know, which leads we should call on based on where they are in our sales funnel. Um, we're use, well, we were using five nines, and then I believe we've switched to a different solution now. So we were using five nines for a very long time to drive that. We're using a number of different, um, we use Pardo, a number of different SMS-based solutions for kind of chat and, and also customer support. So we've, you know, we've gone through kind of the full stack, but we've worked with everything from, you know, Zendesk to originally we're using kind of a, a homegrown CRM uh, from a couple of different solutions. So we've gone through a whole variety of different tech stacks that we've put in place. Got it. So it sounds like it's, there's no like all in one area, right? You guys are kind of using these different tools in, I guess, in isolation. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, we you know use Marketo for some of our email marketing on the outbound side. You know, we've kind of looked at what's the best in class solution and put that forward, and then figured out how to make it work through a centralized data schema. Got it. Awesome. And what is one new tool that you've added personally in the last year that has added a lot of value? So it can be like a Peloton bike, and be like an Aura ring, or it can be like an app. Yeah, it's a great question. I think that broadly, honestly, I, I probably would say a Peloton bike. Looking at, at the one that's in your background, uh, <laughs> it is. I'm a pretty avid you know, mountain biker when it's not snowing out in Park City here. And you know, during the off season, it's been something that's been super helpful just with the ease of being able to hop on for 15 minutes if you got a window in between meetings and, and get a quick ride in. I love it. Well, I, got, I got to add you. So pre-show we talked about, because I usually ask about books, right? So why don't you read books and what do you do instead? Might be a little contrarian, but... My, and my wife was a creative writing major at UCLA. So it's funny because she reads you know, multiple books probably a week. <laughs> and uh, it's been a struggle for me. I can probably you know, say I've read maybe three books in the past 10 years. So in general, I, I don't read books because I, I find the information is a little bit too static and dated in most cases. Um, and I tend to prefer to cross collect information from many different sources. So where I tend to spend time is, is really in two areas. Um, one, lots of different just online resources and, and trying to piece together the best information possible to arrive at the right conclusions. So nothing super sophisticated there, but just you know a, a pretty aggressive researcher online. I think the, the other one is I do a lot of individual kind of conversations with other tech leaders. Part of this is through actually the group that we're both a part of where we connected with YPO, the Young Presidents Organization. There's a, a fantastic feature that they had rolled out a few years ago now called Microforums. 
And the result of microforums is you, you get kind of, you know, it's like chat roulette for business people. You get paired with other individuals all around the world. So I frequently find myself talking to, you know, leaders of, of all kinds of different businesses globally and just trading quick notes and making connections. And, and those that I found have been some of the most unbelievably rich resources to you know, bounce ideas off of and, and get you know, other inspiration from. Is there a setting where you can do more microforms or less? There is, right? How many do you do? There is. Probably on about four or five a week uh, wow. at this point. So there's there's quite a few. I was just like, I think I need to up mine. Okay. I only have <laughs> one per week right now. I got to jack it up to five. So thank you for that. Um, yeah. I'd be curious to know too. So you mentioned kind of aggressively researching. Are there any kind of newsletters or where do you get your information from, right? So. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of newsletters I subscribe to, get them kind of all in, you know, in, in the inbox and sort through them. Everything from, you know, the, the typical Redpoint ventures, um, you know, I, I think that everyone subscribes to looking at other, other blogs and uh, posts that just kind of get pushed out from friends through different newsletters or different, uh, you know, groups that I'm a part of where they'll kind of circulate things. So, you know, it's, it's a pretty broad spectrum at this point. There's also a ton of like YPO resources, again, that I think I find very, very useful with just peer sharing on a variety of topics. And so it's the kind of combination of all of those different ones, you know, all the typical crunch bases and other things I, I you know, are in my inbox and I sort through them as well. Yeah, I, I think the peer group portion can't be understated uh, or overstated enough. We've talked about EO, we talked about YPO, you can talk about Tiger 21. There's all these different groups, but it's the perspective that you get from other people that's going to help you think differently or reframe how you think about things, right? Because oftentimes, like we live in our own little echo chamber, right? So I, I, that, that's why you do so many of these. And that's why you're in, you're in two chapters, right? So. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think learning peer learning is one of the single best you know just resources i've found personally and and also being able to mentor others um there's a lot that you can get out of that as well and so it's been you know a, a pretty key part of just a very deliberate focus uh, for myself cool so i mean what's the most compelling thing that you've consumed recently it could be through video it could be through audio whatever the most compelling thing that i've consumed recently let me actually think about that that would be Actually, that's a really good question. I would probably need to think about that a little bit longer. I don't have a great answer for you off the top of my head. That's fine. And, and the honesty yeah. is great too. Cause I was actually thinking about you thinking about, I was like, I don't have a great answer right now. <laughs> totally fine, man. All right, Corey, this has been awesome. Actually, before I finish, talk about the PPP stuff and what you guys are doing specifically there, because it sounds like you guys might have something unique. Yeah, absolutely. Just kind of a quick blurb on that is uh, Wompley, uh, we found ourselves in the middle of PPP during the first round, which is the Paycheck Protection Program, part of the CARES stimulus uh, program that was put together by the government in response to the pandemic. We played a role in helping the Federal Reserve get access to a lot of our data to make better decisions about how they were designing the monetary policy around this program. And then we became matchmaker at the end of the day, working with a variety of lenders and helping not only our small business customers, but the small business customers of many other partners that we work with get access to the quickest path to get PPP funds. Now we're in the second round of PPP, which is a huge, huge allocation of additional funds. And we've shifted our focus a little bit more to look at the longer tail of underserved people who actually wouldn't even maybe consider themselves to be business owners, but actually are and qualify for PPP funds. So, you know, a big piece of feedback that was a challenge in the first round is the funds made it to big corporations. They didn't make it out to the longer tail of small businesses or the longest tail of individual contributors and sole proprietors like Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, you know, kind of gig economists. What Wompley is really focused on this time around is helping 
all of those individual contributors uh, or, or independent contractors, individual contributors, you know, sole proprietors get access to PPP funds because this this is government money that is intended for them. Most of them are not educated about it. They don't know it's available to them. And the lenders are not set up to act, to provide great support to help them get access to funds. And so we are like literally around the clock, our team is working on how can we make this process simpler and how can we expand maximum reach? So we're already at this point where we've helped almost 250,000 businesses at this point get access to PPP funds and, and be able to get you know more information about it. And we really just feel like we're at the beginning with 30 plus million uh, you know sole proprietors included there across small business uh, across uh, small businesses across America. Got it. Awesome. Well, Corey, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online and also more information on what you just talked about? Absolutely. So uh, you can find me on online on LinkedIn and you can email me Corey at Wompley.com. So C-R-R-Y at W-O-M-P-L-Y.com or you can go to Wompley.com and you'll see PPP information all over there. So feel free to reach out in any one of those paths. All right, Corey, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for the time, Eric. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.